Hello everyone and welcome to Carbide Content. I am Dalen from MachineWise, and Grant will not be with us tonight as he is heading out to Blade Show right now. And I'm David from Contraption Collection. I'm glad you went because I wasn't sure if I was supposed to go. Uh, I'm John from Triaxis. <laughs> <laughs> All what, right. What have you been doing, John from Triaxis? Um, making scrap. But, working but faster. You're making scrap faster now. I saw. Yeah, making two X scrap. it's pretty awesome i gotta say nice um yeah as far as like that goes that's been a good time improvement and then the clips are way better than the last tombstone for sure it's like a 70 percent time reduction on pretty much every part dang that's that's, that's relevant yeah i think the most important thing like if it was the same time i wouldn't care actually but it's the fact that it's repeatable and reliable especially the clips because the clips are historically been a pain to make so it would take me basically a day to make like four or five of them because i would have to mess with the fixed string and then have to hand sand them or like hand deburr them on like a convolute wheel after because the machining basically the work holding was bad enough to where it would leave ridges in the titanium and you know how titanium is if for some reason it'll leave gouges and stuff everywhere if it's not really secure. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like weird springy material. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the backspacers, those are pretty self-explanatory, but those have been good. And then I was working on the blade blade fixture today and making like clamps and stuff. So, so we'll see. So you goes. think you're like, um, besides just like the modular stuff, have you made like pretty significant changes to the way you're holding stuff? Um, so the only real significant change is the, the way the backspacers and the clips are held, but the way the handles are done are, is almost exactly the same minus like a couple tweaks. And then the blades are going to be pretty close to the same, but I'm splitting up the ops into, so for the, where the thumb hole is, what I would do is like leave the thumb hole open or that area and then just have the bolts on the outside and that I would machine that actual, the thumb hole. And then what I was doing was putting a screw in the thumb hole. That was essentially going to hold the blade in the center. Because without you wouldn't yeah. need a clamp. You can just use that. Um, but the problem with that is, <clears throat> like, the thumb hole only takes, you know, that only takes a couple minutes. So what ends up happening is you use the same part of the fixture for that op. Well, if it only takes like four minutes to do to do that, and then you kind of come back and like you want to set it up for the next stop, you have to stand there and wait around for four minutes. So yeah. what I'm doing is just splitting it so um, that four minute thing can do that can be one blade, and then the next there's another spot for the next op essentially. And, okay. Yeah, because the the t- the new tombstone's so much bigger as far as surface area goes that I can actually do that. And I only thought of that today when I was like, well, how am I going to handle this one thing? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where my head's at with that kind of stuff. But, cool. yeah. What's yeah, it, it sounds like with the, or sorry, um, you know, with my blades, I was doing just one tab because I had several holes that I could use for fixturing and loco- locating. But I went to two tabs because I'd just rather, you know, um, be able to do everything at once and then just, uh, you know, cut off the tabs instead of having to kind of move things around. Yeah. 
the blades are kind of weird with as far as many, like there are so many ops for the blades that it ends up being kind of crazy compared to just regular parts. And it's kind of uh-huh. has to do with that. The fact that they have to be hard milled, but then the tabs have to still be there and they yep. have to be really flat. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then every time I use the surface grinder, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't like the Thormach surface grinder. Yeah. I just like, and today it started making a noise after I replaced that. Today was the first day I started using it again after that run capacitor yep. blew up. Yep. Um, actually, it might be a start capacitor, but I'm like, it's making a funny noise. And I wonder oh. if it's the, ba- the spindle bearings. And I'm like, not now. <laughs> not now. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've gone through three spindles on my Tormach. Yeah, it's been like, it's been really good to me, but there's this spot. So I bought it used off Craigslist and yeah. there's this spot in the chuck that was like a five thou dip in the chuck. And I was like, okay. oh, they just ran the wheel into it or something. Yep. Uh, the issue is they must have ran the wheel into it really hard because <laughs> when you run, uh, when you run the, so you're moving in Y, when it yep. runs over that little area, it cuts basically like eight tenths deeper right in that area. Oh, and I'm not sure mechanically... I'm not sure mechanically what's actually worn for it to do that, but you can see if you if you um, grind in the chuck, it'll leave a specific streak right where that that dip is, and it'll leave that streak in your parts too. So I know something is mechanically wrong with the thing right there, and it must be the, um like the ways or something, the V ways, something. But it's noticeable and it's noticeably annoying. <laughs> so I, 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 wonder, I have a little bit of a worry on my mill similarly where um, the last time I was trying to make some handles, which is just the other day uh, I noticed that it seemed like wear compensation was only applying to the handle on the far right. And so I got like six hand or uh, yeah, I got four handles across this fixture. There's actually eight, but yep. you know, the half of them are upside down and half right side up. Um, so I got four four handles and like only it seems like only the one on the far right is is having wear compensation. Hmm. And so it could be I feel like some weird glitchiness happened trying to uh like I stopped the program in the middle of it and then re-uploaded the um, the G code and I don't know, maybe something weird could have happened with fusion or with, uh, the machine that's like, you know, software based. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't tried running them again. Uh, but I have noticed that it seems like, uh, further to the right on my palette will be tighter holes. And, and we're talking about, you know, tenths here. Yep. Uh, and, uh, um, and the ones on the left one, and and then the ones on the left, that that area gets used more because often I, you know, I'll make a full set of eight handles at a time, but with the blades, I've often only made two at a time because I'm really trying lots of different stuff, so I I mm-hmm. only put two in the left spot, and I've done this quite a few times, and so I worry that I could have worn stuff out in this one area. Yeah, it's very possible. We're out the gib, probably. And so, I don't know, maybe 
I should just try moving the Pearson pallet to the opposite side of the table or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I ran an 1100 a while back that was significantly more worn out in one spot than the other. Um, to the point where I think I had to add in like one to two thou of compensation in the actual program only on that specific section of the fixture. Yeah, mm. that's that's another thing is I did is I, I broke it up so that each one is its own cam uh, thing instead of just being patterned four times. Nice. Um, so I haven't tried that yet, but if, you know, I might just have to change stock to leave. Yeah. Um, so another thing you that can might do, be the only thing. Um, in Fusion, you can assign a different wear compensation number to the same tool. And then you can you can have the same tool run different wear comp tool diameter numbers in the control. Oh, it still seems like I'd have to break up the program for that. Oh, uh, you would just make four, like say you're using tool 10. You would just have four tool 10s in your tool library, but it's like tool 10 with comp 10, tool 10 with comp 20, tool 10 right. with comp 30, etc. Hmm. That's a kind of where do you thing. type it in on on the machine? On the machine, uh, you would just put it in, in like, say you want to use Tool 30's diameter comp. You would just put it in Tool 30's diameter comp in the in the in the comp oh, table. I, I see. Yep. That sounds <laughs> that sounds like something I would definitely screw up. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I think I'll just mess with the stock to leave to get them even. Yep. If, yep. If this continues, I mean, yeah. Happening. If it is true machine wear, then it should be even every time. But I don't know. I, I think what was happening, because it's one thing them being slightly different, but it's another thing where it seems like where compensation's not even happening at all. Like it's just That's done odd. like ten, you know, on three holes, three handles. It's doing just a million spring passes, but then the other hole is actually changing significantly. That seems kind of crazy and like a software bug or something. I mean, how much are you chasing? Like, like, like how small of a of a tolerance you chasing? I, I I usually do like half a thou at a time. Okay, that's a relevant amount. Yeah, and and so what I'm saying is like I'm trying to get two 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 point two 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 and I'm at two two oh and and the hole goes the you know, some of the holes all go to like two two five because of a spring pass or whatever. Yep. And then they all are like two two five, two two five, two two five, but then the one on the end is two two three, two two three five, you know. Oh, hmm. Uh and the rest are just staying at like two two, uh, two or two two one five or whatever. Yep. Um. So I don't know. I'm a little concerned with that. Uh, but I think it's just torment. I kind of had to stop in the middle of what I was doing. So yeah. Hopefully, it's some bug and re- you know just turning everything on and off again will fix it. I hope. Yeah, I've been having Miltronic issues. Oh yeah. And Mighty Viper issues. And Okamoto issues. Hmm. Everything explodes. So what's what's exploded? This well, the Miltronics just freezes randomly. Mm-hmm. Like it completely locks up. It'll stop in the middle of a program, and nothing except e stop will do anything. Huh. This has been going on for a while. Uh, had a tech out recently to. He tried changing some some follow error parameters, thinking that maybe the software was getting freaked out because the follow error might have been too large or something. Uh, that seemed promising until this morning when it said it start freezing again. It does um, it randomly? Yeah, totally randomly. 
Only, but it only does it on one program, but in a different place in that program every time. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't I've think technology a... works. I think we've just gotten lucky. No, like, technology is all a ton of times. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all fake. None of it works. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Feels yeah, like we've been chasing that for quite a while, um, which is annoying because I want to be able to run it overnight. Uh, but I don't trust that it can. And the spindle isn't chilled, so I don't want it to sit there and run at 12,000 RPM all night and then melt down. It's yeah. only one specific program every time. Yeah, it's my Prisma handle program, but it's in a different place every time on that program. I Could you like, try like a different post processor or something? Uh, it's a Miltronic, so there's only one post processor that exists in Fusion for it. Is it a really big program compared to all your others? Uh, big-ish. Um, I have some other one. I mean, it is the longest by far. I it, It's like a 54-minute program. The next closest, I think, is 20 minutes. Maybe just up the smoothing on everything, and it'll cut out some lines. I wonder if it's doing something Maybe. where it's like, like some sort of variable is getting stacked, and then... Or it's yeah, like a, yeah, like a memory overflow or something. Something, or, but it yeah, happens like know. randomly is kind of strange. Yeah, it'd be the same it's even thing. weirder because... It's all built off of uh, it's built off of Linux, so, so it it literally has a straight up tiny computer, like it has a motherboard, a standard computer power supply, RAM, a CPU, like like all the standard computer components inside of the control. Yeah, yeah, that's how the Tarmac is. Yeah, it's it's basically like a like like the Pathpilot controller, except it runs Miltronics control instead of Pathpilot. Um, hmm. so I I maybe it's some kind of weird software bug. I don't know yet. He's working on that. Um, yeah, and then the Mighty has been getting worse over time. Hmm. The X-axis is really loud. Oh. <laughs> and it's been getting louder since, like, day one. Mm -mm. Um, I, that, I mean, this, this is actually um, something I've been trying to get looked at and fixed uh, for over a year now. Hmm. Mm. How hard is it to pull the, the X-axis oh. wake covers off? Uh, so I had a tech out. We pulled them and looked in there. It looks brand new. Really? Mm. What, what kind of sound is it? Is it just when it's traveling along X? Or is it like when it's... Yeah, it's um, so it's coming from the entire assembly. And yep. it's it it sounds like a... like a um, It's just like a, a hollow... Like, like growl, kind of. It, does it, it sounds like bad when, linear rails, but it, it's not. Does it happen like when the table moves, though? Yes, only when the table moves. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's something mechanical. It is mechanical. It's 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 bearings or something somewhere. What? How did the the way covers slide? Oh, uh, way covers are fine. We actually moved it without the way covers at all, and it still makes the noise. Okay. Yep, that was something we thought about. Uh, we put grease on every single piece in there, and it didn't change anything acoustically. It's really weird. It's they accurate like, still. Yeah, they have like a what do they call it? It's like a a bearing stop or like whatever. Sometimes at the end of the ball screw, you'll have a like I know oh, like the, a polyurethane. Yeah, like on the lower yep. end hosses, they have them on the end, mm -hmm. and they'll get loose and they'll make like a what sounds like a bearing failing sound, and it's yep. just yeah. This I, one has it, but that okay. was tight. Um, gotcha. Yeah, we checked everything. I mean, it all looks brand new, and it's it, it's still super accurate. So just gotta keep running it, and he's gonna run some information, but. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't worry about it until it exploded. Yeah, this I mean, fortunately, I mean, it's it's well outside of its warranty range now, but this issue I, I brought up well within warranty, so they're yeah. hopefully going to honor the warranty on it when it does eventually explode. 
Gotcha. Yep. This is like where I feel bad when I've I'm like trying to help someone because it's like everything we say. It's like, yep, we tried that. Yep, we tried that. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah, we're just saying all the obvious things. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's. It, I mean, even the slightly more obscure things I've thought about. We. I mean, it's. It, it looked brand new in there. I was really impressed, actually. Mm. For I mean, it could, it could for be almost four thousand hours. I know, yeah. right? I mean, it could be. It could be the the electricity going to the. Yeah, the exactly. Is a little yep. different, so the servos yep. make a different noise or something. Yep. I mean, yeah uh, the the x axis assembly could just have a specific resonant frequency. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because it's weird. It doesn't come from any particular component inside of that entire assembly. It's just the whole thing. Yeah. I wonder if it's like if it's somewhere else. It's not the x-axis, but just the fact that that weight be. is moving. It's causing yeah. some other sheet metal thing to like rub yeah. or something. Who knows? It could be. So that's weird, but I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. And the Okamoto is also sort of down right now. What's wrong with that? Uh, it's either a bad CPU or a bad uh, a, a bad servo drive or CPU. They don't know. It's a 50-50 shot. Huh. What's it doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll, it'll alarm out... Uh, if you cycle power and turn it back on many mm. times, it just won't leave a specific alarm, which is a communications alarm. So you just do keep you, cycling power until it works again. Do you know um, Do you know what your line voltage is where you are? Yeah, it's uh, 208, 210, 208. Okay, because I had on the on the Kia, I had a thing where it would when you would break the spindle and it mm-hmm. would dump like basically all the current to the to the braking resistor, uh-huh. the thing that gets really hot, it would basically, for some reason, get stuck and just start drawing 40 amps and oh, sit there and just draw and draw. And it was because oh, the, it was because the line voltage was was close to 230, and I guess it wanted closer to 220, but of course, nowhere in the manual does it say that. People yeah, are just right. like, overseas machines like closer to 208 or something, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> so I put like a buck boost transformer on it and just bucked the line voltage down like eight volts and it stopped doing it interesting wow. that's the only reason i ask because sometimes yep. that stuff is really weird about yeah i'm not smart i have good power in this industry <laughs> <laughs> Electronics there's a, there's a lot going on, on. <laughs> yeah um yeah they i don't know i had okamoto techs out which also took me like three months to get them out yeah i have really bad luck with techs mm-hmm. i mean i think that's and yeah, service I, that's yeah, uh, that's just the way the world these days, I guess. I think that's just how it always is. Um, I mean, I think I'm even worse in New Mexico. There's like no text for anything. And then the host tech we're supposed to have, but he like recently, or I don't know. I don't want to say anything. I, I, I think like they right. might have got a new one, but for a while, maybe we didn't have one. I'm not sure. Oh. Um, but Yeah, uh, they keep they keep emailing me and saying like my sales rep keeps changing. I'm like, what is with the turnover rate? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really like my um, my sales rep slash slash main like tech for the Miltronics and Mighty. Mm. Awesome guy, really nice. Love his company. Uh, he just has been going through a lot of health issues the last year and a half. Gotcha. Yep. Mm. And he's like the only one, apparently, in the entire state that is the Miltronics and Mighty Viper guy. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense though, because it's like how mm-hmm. many really, how many people in the one state is like calling this guy up every hour, yep. you know? 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in this entire state that has this specific Mighty Viper machine. I think there's only 10 in the in the state's period. Damn. So that doesn't help. What uh, yeah. what kind of machine do you think you'd want to get next if you got another? Me. Mill- What's that? Uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, is money an option here? I mean, I'm not going to just say Kern. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Mo- not not a Kern. I mean, like... If I can get financing, that's the thing. I can't get financing, so my, my options are basically null and void. Okay. My credit is, is, is out the window. And you don't have enough business credit, essentially? I have zero business credit because I don't have any personal credit, therefore I couldn't get any loans for the business. But you have machine payments that you've been paying on, right? Yeah, but it's um, they're not being reported because I, I literally got financed on both my machines from the CEOs of their respective companies. Oh, I see. As in, like, they were they were backed against your personal, essentially. Yeah, I mean, they literally, like, yeah, they, they, they just gave me the machine and said, make us payments. Hmm. Huh. Very informal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard of, like, you could get something underwritten from a bank but you always hear that but i've never heard of anyone in practice actually yeah i've tried four times to get a loan for a machine between 80 to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and every single time they basically just laugh at me yeah see that's annoying because you're actually making money but yeah no financially it's not even like it's 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 a laughable amount of money like it's so easy to afford a two thousand dollars a month for for another machine payment yeah how how hard would it be to to like pay cash i don't know maybe this is permanent this maybe this is personal or not good but nah, like i like, don't care talking about money you mind. know uh i mean you know you got you know you could up production with like a used yeah mini mill or something yep like you think you could uh, you could get to that or or i don't know oh, i mean i could hell, that's kind of what you did I, or i could buy a sixty thousand dollar machine right now if i wanted to yeah um be a little okay well i don't know the, the question was meant to be more fun like yeah, not a right. current but like realistically like a speedio would be up there yeah speedio yeah it was up there um i mean anything from makino or matsura or okamoto or oh, sorry yeah. okuma mm-hmm. uh insert japanese brand essentially <laughs> is what i just realized because all of those are japanese yeah yeah, I uh I mean, I never really thought about Okuma before the last couple of years when Okay. You know, Saunders and Lucas and yeah, the Genos all sorts of people cool. have been getting them. What's that? Yeah, those uh those those Genos machines are fantastic. Yeah, and they're cheaper than I thought they were. Are they? What do they start run like like what do they run at baseline? Well, their cheapest mach- machine is like um you know, 120,000 or something. It's not bad. That, that might not be, you know, which is not cheap obviously but it's uh it's you know i i i thought that for the caliber and it's a japanese machine i thought it's like yeah. 200k or something cheapest would you oh, know okay. just in my imagination yep i mean yeah um, for a three axis you know even snipe like pretty well kitted three axis most machines i mean, I mean they, pr- they might hard. actually have some under 100k i feel mm-hmm. like a, a brother like a big brother would be perfect honestly yeah, yeah i can be your big brother john the best <laughs> Does brother make big machines? Yeah, they make. Uh, what is that? That one thousand is like that. The travels on that thing uh, are pretty that's big. Fair. Okay, yeah. Is it uh, thirty tapers though? 
No, I think it's uh well, I don't want to speak. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, right. Um, I definitely would want to get more of a standard 4020 or bigger VMC with a with a pro package moving forward. Yeah. Um what brand it is, I wouldn't necessarily care. Uh, I mean, I would buy a Deuce on like like a like a DNM 4500S like right now. Yeah. Gotcha. I um no, I, I I feel like the options for me are go cheap side with Haas or yep. or just like go to a machine you feel like will never have any technical issues ever. Oh, yep. brother then. Like a, a, a DMG Mori. Yeah, that too. Um, really? Moris don't have issues? Well, I mean, just they like all have issues. Everything yeah, has issues, say. but like, I don't know, someone I was talking to in town, it was like, we buy hosses and Moris. We buy hosses because we can get service, and we buy Moris because they don't need us get service. Oh, okay. Or, or like something along those lines. It's been a while. Um, you know, I had, I had a, I had a, someone I respected a lot who uh, really liked Herco machines, and so yeah. I, I really kind of wanted to like Herco, but then I've I've heard some mixed things since then. And really, okay. and I don't know much the, about it. The service I think is tough. I mean, I think they're okay. probably if if. If you are in the right area and um, the right business, I think they do probably still make a lot of sense because I think they're yep. pretty decently built machines. If you're doing job shop work, their conversational programming is like apparently some of the best. So that's what I've yep, that's what I've heard. You know, being able to do stuff quickly is great, and then, um, and then they are affordable. They are not mm-hmm. more expensive than Haas. I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never um, knew about Herco until recently. I was actually looking at a used Herco and a buddy of mine bought it instead. But you're also the Southwest, so I don't know. It might be tough for you to getting service for one. Right. I mean, I have a lead right now on a VF2 SS. It might be a YT. I don't I don't fully know anymore. Um, What's that? I got the table numbers when you want them. Oh, yeah, go for it. Uh, well, I was just looking at them. Uh, <laughs> I was asking about the spindle size. Yep, I got all that too. <laughs> I was just looking. Okay, so for X, it's thirty nine point four inches. Y is nineteen point seven, and then Z yeah. is eleven point eight. I've heard Z, you need risers for everything, but yep. yeah, I mean that's nothing I mean, new for me, sadly. Yeah, and then yeah, that's like, like the Fanuc stuff too. I mean, you know, for uh, it is it is a BT thirty, but the chip to chip is like one point two seconds. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's pretty quick. So that's what I'm disappointed with on my mighty. Yeah. Is it has a robo drill tool, tool tool changer, but the mm-hmm. actual tool change macros are so slow. Oh, interesting. And I've been very tempted to write my own tool change macros so it'd be fast. Hmm. But uh, I don't want to crash a tool changer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. My mind goes so scary mm-hmm. places. Um. Yeah, and then the the control. We've talked about this, I think, quite a bit already on the podcast. But uh, yep. that's also what kind of pushed me away from Duzan. I think it's not completely clear how good of service I could get with a Duzan, but uh, I think you know I'm more familiar with the Haas control and yeah. So that's I another think, thing. I believe out here Duzan is uh, has some pretty decent support. Yeah, and it's it's close ish to you, but it's also not close to you, so. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of things are. Is is I'd be relying on stuff that's like Colorado or Arizona or whatever. Yeah. Oh, look into Magnum Precision. 
I, I know them. They do they do Mazak stuff, but like yeah, Mazak and Okamoto. Uh, and I I think there's some shops that have Mazak. I haven't visited them, but I think there's some shops in town that might use quite a bit of Mazak. Mazaks are good. I don't. They like seem them. good, but then like when I talk to people, everyone, at least like personally, not on the internet, everyone's like, eh, yeah, eh. I don't know. No one's like, no one's like has them. the crazy enthusiasm I expect for. Yeah, I've heard that Mazak three axis stuff is stay away from but really okay same thing it's just i've heard you yeah know. like their I've, their mill turn stuff seems really cool the rest it's like eh yeah i like i programmed and ran a single uh cat 50 mazak like years and years ago that and it was like one time so i yeah. don't have a lot of experience on them but i've kind of heard the same stuff i should love them because they're orange and i like orange but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the key factors is it is know, purchase a machine i should be biased but i'm not yeah at this point like i don't have controller like attachment i'm just like yeah whatever works because like as long as you go with something mainstream and you don't need if you have a product i feel like and you have stuff set up then it's going to be pretty easy to go from like one or the other just the mm-hmm couple a little bit of control stuff but if you're actually writing stuff at the control or trying to do like real like macro programming and stuff then maybe it's a little more difficult but yeah i don't know at this point i'm like you know it'll read the g code that fusion sticks out as long as there's a post that works that's the important thing do yeah, i have the I most mean, post i think every mainstream good uh control will run really powerful macros these days yeah and have support for it yeah, I just, I just get, I've never ran a fanic machine and I just get scared people talking about how it alarms out at like super basic things and it takes 10 key presses to do basic things. It's not that bad. Then again, I'm probably biased. Yeah. Uh, learning on the lathe was like kind of a pain, but honestly, at this point, it's also not that bad. Yep. And every machine. Yeah, I mean- I, I'm sure, especially if, if I'm not doing job shop stuff. So maybe you aren't having to change a million things often. You know, like if you have a product that's running, then yep. maybe it also becomes less of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I would say if you find a machine that like fits everything else you're looking for, don't let a Linux sway you. But yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I definitely hope to get something better soon. Right now we're trying to get three phase power and yep. I think we'll have it this year. Nice. Um, but you know how things go. There's yeah. a lot of stuff I should have figured out. Like way earlier on uh but uh you know it it feels like less certain where things are going so like i probably could have done a lot of the packaging stuff sooner so another thing mm-hmm. i've been doing mm-hmm. is just ordering lots of different boxes and stuff yep. and uh it's like super hard to just get i'm probably gonna get the numbers wrong but ideally i'd like like a six and a half inch maybe seven inch box by uh, like one and a half inches by one inch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and oh, like, yeah. Tell me about it. Those small like, narrow boxes are hard to find. Yeah. And so I found a box I kind of like, but it's like nine inches. It's and it's like a cool drawer cardboard box. Mm-hmm. And so I was I, I might go with that. But then I decided maybe I should look at at least for the first ones I sell uh, hard cases again. So I bought okay. like every type of generic plastic hard case you can get. <laughs> um, and I should like take pictures and show you guys so that you guys could uh, 
use them as reference without having to buy them yourselves. Right. If you ever want them. But, but then I also found, so I ordered them on Amazon, but then I found them on like Alibaba. So if I do want to order a bunch of them, I don't have to pay five times as much. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so I think, sorry, what's that? Hear me out. Okay. Uh, CO2 laser and you make your own boxes. I was going to say, I want one for like cardboard packaging. What, uh, like a wooden box you make? No, just buy yeah, like, like cardboard sheet. Oh, but then like, and I just laser you'd out have your boxes. to like, I don't know. I guess you could be smart in making it so it, ha- it like folds together without needing any glue or any taper. Yeah. Something. You can just make them, you know, make them like just the standard full of boxes. You can, you can perforate, uh, the, 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 you know, the bend areas. You can burn in your logo. Yeah. All sorts. You of probably cut stuff. like five thick at least, probably. Yeah, did you get this idea? Because I I posted in the chat the other day. I was gonna say just go down to your local Michaels. Yeah, I went to Michaels <laughs> and uh, they have a Glowforge laser cutter just like in the middle of an aisle. That's I've so heard awesome. stay away from that thing, but I don't no, know. No, it does. It's very you know. Yep. I mean, it's in Michaels. It's aimed mm-hmm. at people who are you know not necessarily going to be super familiar with yeah it's very consumer g-code or cam or whatever um but it's crazy to see that because like it's still probably like a few thousand dollars isn't it probably i'd imagine and so it's crazy to just see that sitting in a michaels i mean uh, um and i was joking that like we'll see in 2032 we'll see like a five axis daytron machine sitting in hobby lobby Right. Or something for uh, moms who need to make crafts for their son out of in canal. Here we go. <laughs> you can buy a 50 watt CO2 laser for $2,200. And I think this is the exact same one that uh, I've ran in the past and it works quite nicely. <sighs> it's, it's, uh, it would be cool. I feel like I don't want to buy a laser until. I really could yeah. get something amazing for laser engraving. Um, I mean, yeah, you can't really the, use this. To I, like, ha- I haven't thought about the cutting stuff, though. Yeah, but you could use it for foam and for cardboard boxes. Other than that, not a lot. Can you use laser to cut like the kind of foam you'd put in a case? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've used the CO2 laser to to do foam inserts in boxes before and also engrave boxes and cut boxes. That could be kind of cool. Or I mean that And it was basically this exact laser, I'm pretty sure. These are not as expensive as I thought they were. No, they're super cheap. <laughs> well, it's like a Oh, I see it. Is this like um is this like some generic? Yeah, it's a Chinese it's a generic. Or... Yeah, you get it on a crate from China. So then you go straight to Alibaba and then talk basically, to the supplier yeah. and <laughs> get it for half off. Yeah. Just have I don't know. Maybe maybe I much. should look into it. I'm trying to just get simple stuff done. I um, I'm I don't know. I'm still not putting as much attention into like packaging and stuff. Maybe as I should because I, I'm just trying to, to make a few pairs of scissors and keep getting interrupted and yeah and uh, trying to fix uh, processes or messing with stuff I shouldn't. That's um. I said that uh, one of the few things I did that was new this week is um, I tried using a diamond engraver. 
Hmm. Yes, tell me about that. And because in theory, it'd be nice, like I can have the spindle off mm-hmm. and let it cool because I've been a little worried about how hot it gets with long runs. And then uh, you can also feed it super fast. So maybe it would be faster than engraving with a ball end mill. Yeah. Uh, which is what I've been doing. Um, so two problems. Mm-hmm. One is I don't know how to post something with zero RPM from uh, I, Fusion to the Tormach. I think John Saunders actually did a video on that, if I recall. I can it, do that on the Haas, like, it, right now. If he did, uh, whatever I, whatever video of his I looked at, I mm-hmm. I don't think I watched the right part or something. Because ah. I, I tried to figure it out and, and failed. Okay. Um, so I put it just at, like, the lowest I could, which is 250. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other problem is I don't think you're supposed to run it into the side of a part, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. So, so yeah. like, I think you're just supposed to go straight down and then start engraving. Yes. Yep. And so uh, I broke the diamond off. <laughs> oh, no. Nah, you don't need that thing anyways. <laughs> and so, um, but I did test it first. Like before I made a part, yeah. I wasn't sure like how much depth to go on it. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just had it, uh, like a block of aluminum and I, uh, faced it and I just had the diamond come in like 10 thou below the part. Okay. That doesn't look like a deep enough engraving 20 thou. And I went to like 50 thou and I was, you know, kind of whacking into the side of the part. Yep. And it seemed fine. Um, and then it started engraving. It did it for a little bit. And it should have had an easier time because I didn't go as deep as my tests. And uh, the the handles have, like, huge chamfers and stuff on them. So you'd yeah. think it would uh, be less rough on the diamond, you know, hitting the side of the diamond. Um, so, but it did, at some point, the diamond broke off pretty early on on my first, like, actual test. Mm-hmm. Um and so I got I got another one in the mail today. Uh, I think I'll just have to try because I don't know. Again, maybe this is something I shouldn't have put any time into. You know, you always think, oh, it'll be short, it'll be whatever. I should have just stuck with what was working. You know, it's not important right now if I'm trying to get something out the door. But if I do try again, I think I will just not rough the outside of the part, and I should have no issue engraving the pattern. Yeah, there's there also holes in the part too, so don't rough the outside of the part. Don't put holes in yep. the part. Yep. Then the diamond can go straight down, and it won't ever uh, go off the edge or run into an edge. Um, but I think that's a lesson I learned the hard way that I should have uh, probably expected. Are you trying to re- are you trying to use it instead of your engraving bit for doing your patterns? Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. that that's where it's like if it takes like an hour to do some of the yep. super. Uh, you know, if it takes like an hour or more to do a super uh, complicated patterns, I, yep. I just would rather have the spindle off. Yeah, that's fair. And and it could do it even faster potentially. Potentially, yep. I could potentially like double the feed rate. Okay. Um, I'm actually I am pretty impressed with the Tormach spindles, all things considered. Um, I've yeah, I, I, so I, long I with no issues. Haven't actually had a problem. It just when the tool holder physically feels hot. Uh where you wouldn't want to hold it on onto it for a long time. It makes me a little yep. worried. Oh, mine was like that constantly. I was also in a garage that was like 130 degrees with no, no wind. And mine only yeah. goes up to 51, 40 yeah. RPM. Yeah. I remind it 10 all the time. Um, 
<laughs> so uh, I was going to say one more thing. Um, I, I also, I think for my patterns, I initially chose a 90 degree diamond and I think the 120 will probably be better. It'd be stronger. Well, that may be so too, but uh, a, I was just thinking lighter. that the marks, even when I was going pretty deep, uh, the marks looked um, not as clear and wide as as uh, using yeah. the 130. I'm only going 3,000 deep with a 132nd ball, but that makes a pretty wide It does, yeah. Groove. Um, also, they give you two springs with different tension. Oh, okay. And, and I didn't even notice this at first. And so I used the heavier spring, uh, which might look better, but maybe the heavier, if I use the lighter spring, uh, maybe it would have an easier time bumping into the side of stuff. It might. Uh, but I don't know if I would trust it either way. Yep. I guess you get, you, you can try to make your lead-ins perfect, so it'll it'll lead in right onto the edge of the park. Yeah, I guess uh, I didn't think about that. when On my test, I was going in completely perpendicular, but... When it failed, maybe it was going in at a weird angle or something that's caused uh, issues. And then, and then on my test, I did have the spindle off. I was just doing things with the jog wheel. Yep. Um, maybe the spinning is worse. I don't know because hmm. part of me thinks the spinning would uh, help because, like, you know, the thing where uh, like static friction is stronger than moving friction, or yeah. you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll keep messing with it. Maybe not. We'll see. Yep. So you said titanium, didn't you? No, just aluminum. Aluminum. Okay. I thought you were trying out some more titanium handles. No, no, not for not for a while, probably. Yep. Yeah. What's your it's reason for that? using like a normal carbide engraver? Uh, oh. Well, I'm using uh, like uh, with that like cuts or like a drag thing. Uh, what are you, like, what are you trying to do with it? So I was using a, uh, like from, from Lakeshore Carbide, the like 20 degree sharp engraver they had with a 20 thou, uh, rounded ball at the end. Mm -hmm. And I felt like those were breaking much faster than I'd like, you know, they'd make like a few sets of handles and then break. So Mm -hmm. I switched to a 32nd ball because for other things I've worked on in the past, I have like quite a few cheap one thirty second ball end mills. Um, and those have been lasting pretty good and I can feed them pretty decently fast. And uh, I like the, the, the width of the engraving they leave. Yeah. That 20 thou ball from Lakeshore lasts me like months in titanium. Yeah. I don't know why it just, I've just had them randomly chip and I, and I don't know what's causing yeah. it. I don't know. Uh, what do you, like what, what do you plunge it at? Uh, plunge it really slow. I also don't have mm-hmm. any lead ins for them. They just go straight to like, especially if you're doing letters, just go straight to like the start of like a T for example. Yep. And then like a really slow plunge, like two inches per minute, depending on whatever it is. And then, yeah, you know, whatever your normal surface footage for titanium, it's like whatever I did like 350. That ends up being, I don't know how many RPM all of them for, for 20. It's actually not, not cause 12 K is like 750. Well, really? have you oh. just done like letters yeah. or have you done something where it's like a lot of engraving? 
No, I've done a lot of engraving with them too. But okay. what what I what I started doing instead of using that for doing like patterns and stuff was just a one thirty second ball, but like a stub length, so it's like sixty two thou flute length. But those things will last me like forever too. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I've, I don't even think I've replaced the one thirty second ball a single time since I started using it. Yeah, I um, wonder if like it's a run out thing because that'll destroy something small fast. It, it, I definitely can't control run out super easy on the Tormach. Yeah, and then, and then I, um, I'm probably, I think I'm plunging at like five or ten inches a minute. Yeah, I would plunge slower for sure. I, uh, yeah, I mean, like half of your regular feed rate. Just what I would do is if half you want my to, regular feed rate would I'm I'm feeding it like thirty or forty inches a minute I think. Oh geez. Well, maybe not the sharp one. The ball I'm going like, I'll bring it up, but uh, it might take yeah. a minute. Um, but I'm going pretty fast. Okay. You might not have the RPM to be going that fast, but I'm not. I'm I not think sure. with the one thirty second. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I just check the cam out. I would just set the at least the plunge rate pretty slow, and then just set your like a retract rate to be like ten thou over your part. That way, you're not spending all day plunging. Yep. Yeah, I think I could uh, possibly bring it a little bit closer. Um, yeah, I'm pretty dangerous about getting this <laughs> retracts close to the part. Uh, let's see here. Uh yeah, I'm going thirty inches a minute hmm. with the with a one thirty two ball, but wow, it okay. is a uh, four flutes. Yep, and it's aluminum, and it's aluminum. Uh, and the plunge is ten inches a minute. Okay, but but it but that's been working. Um, it so. is only three thou depth too, so it's like the plunge is like you know it's barely yeah, almost nothing. Like yeah, I I think I had to go deeper possibly with the uh with the sharp the sharper tool hmm. um, but i haven't used it in a little while i also it was just annoying to do with the sharper tool um i had like two different versions of it one that's like accurate with the ball and one that's a point because it it would like behave uh annoyingly depending on if i'm doing you know patterns or a logo or text um, so the ball, I like that. I don't have to mess with it as much. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never actually really used any engraving end mills before. I always default to a ball. Yeah. What else have you been up to Dalen? Gosh, me. Um, I've been in a perpetual state of being completely unhappy with everything I've made. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Um, it, it comes in waves. Like, I think my baseline for the quality of parts that I produce is below what I want. That's just kind of like where I sit usually. It's like, oh, this part isn't good enough. Mm. Um, but boy, it's it's really hitting me with the opuses right now. Um, I'm going to be going through and completely redoing all the surfacing on the handles for the opuses. Gotcha. Um, now, if I if I followed advice uh, people have given me, mm-hmm. which uh i do but sometimes i don't <laughs> but in theory i should have got more scissors out there sooner and seen what people think before i 
modified no, I, them yeah. so much. Yeah. I mean, so I've already ran a palette. Like I've, I've been proving out the programs for the opuses while trying to like also get them into production at the same time. Um, like I have ran three opuses so far, just about while, while proving out all of the production fixturing. Um, but I just have to go through and I'm, probably going to change all of the surfacing on just the handle faces i think i think the blades are going to be like really good gotcha but i also but know I've... how it is where people see my stuff and say it looks really good and then but they're just seeing something through the computer not in person and so to me i see your stuff and i'm like that looks really good same thing with you john i'm like that looks amazing why are you bothering trying to prove it it looks amazing but I'm not seeing it in real life. And so, yeah, you know, it yeah. can be so deceptive, especially you don't want to like post the crappiest photo of whatever it is. So I try to, you know, <laughs> honestly, Sometimes I, I do. really do try. Um, so like the main issue I'm having on the opuses right now, uh, it's a, so I want to do 45 degree, just parallel passes as like the base pattern mm-hmm. on the um, handles on the handle faces. Yep. Okay. Um, so just, you know, a, a really bog standard, just 45 degree parallel pass. And I have it running only one direction. So it's only climb milling, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm, I'm running into an issue right now where it looks weird right in the middle of the handle from where it goes from cutting on one side of the ball to the center to the other side. Right. Um, which is not avoidable unless I have a fourth axis, which God, I wish I had a fourth axis. Or you make the same Time to upgrade to a brother. fixture. <laughs> Tell me about it, John. I I also thought about, you know, I mean, I could put, (laughs) I'm just going to put everything on a 15 degree angle from here on out. Just just make angled blocks for all of the things. I would recommend actually, well, because. No, that would actually screw me on the handles because then I couldn't get to certain sides. Then, yeah, it's a pain. But if you can angle it and get the widest part of the, the ball, then you get better better footage kind of thing yep which is what i did for the blades um so what i'm gonna have to do and this so what i did on the serifs was um i would do a really fine surfacing to get the actual like like rounded profile just like you do on your handles john Mm -hmm. and then from there i'm gonna use a smaller ball end mill to do a trace tool path to simulate the pattern that i want Uh which is i'm pretty sure exactly what you do john yeah i use the project for it yeah yep i i draw what i want and i and i project it onto the face and then i use a small ball end mill and a trace toolpath yeah i was talking about the toolpath project because it's for 3d services there's a project toolpath yep and it's the greatest thing ever and did i, I just like learn it? something like 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 life-changing yeah probably i feel like every oh, time geez. i tell somebody that they're like that's a thing and i'm like yeah it'll engrave i don't know about that yeah it's yeah i i uh when I was getting really adventurous with my engravings, like in, in my like third video I made or something, I was trying to do like the craziest engravings, but also on a concave surface. Okay. And I, I think I used project at least. Yeah, project, the is, project is the only one that'll do it. Cause you can centerline cut with it. It It's That's basically really nice. for centerline cutting on a 3d service. That's nice. Cause yeah, I mean, I've been doing an extra step where I would, you know, I would take my sketch project it onto the face and then use a trace tool path. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you could maybe do it with a trace tool path, too. You can, but trace has, like, an angle limit, and it's just, like, 30 degrees or something when it starts to get really wonky, and the smoothing in trace doesn't work. Yeah, smoothing in trace doesn't work, which is true. Yeah. Although, I I don't run smoothing on anything anymore. I actually do the opposite. I turn smoothing off if I want a good finish. 
Huh. I've heard that. I've heard that for better finishes, you actually want yep. smoothing off. Well, for a more consistent uh, finish. Yes. Uh, and you got to pay attention to the points and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if I you mean, want short programs, though, I think on just like the basic, uh, you know, just a, some yeah. contour or yeah, whatever. Yeah, good for that. Like, you know, if, if, I, if I'm doing like the contour of a boar or something, like it's it's fine you know yeah i mean actually but, funny for boars you you probably would want smoothing so you have truly round it uses arcs <laughs> wait wait it, uh i knew it reduced points does it add arcs that weren't already arcs oh it well shouldn't. it should just be a circle but it it depends yeah. what's at least for the the Haas processor if you I can't remember what the code is, but it'll break it into arcs. And then if it's a if it's a real bore or a real circle, that's supposed to be a different thing. Yeah, I that's think it depends on smart things are. I don't know. It's weird because if I was programming it by hand, you know, obviously I'd make I'd program the arcs. Yeah, uh, but the way these works is they're generating the code off of a polygon built on top of your 3d model that you can't actually see yep. and that that polygon has faces to it it doesn't have any actual round geometry no. and so how it knows to do arcs or not uh I'm, i don't completely understand but uh, the smoothing is connected to that i think you can see what fusion will at least try to put out and i'm i have no idea what your your machine will actually do or the post will do because that'll yep. change it as well but if yeah. you like look at the toolpath and then you click points on and you look at a circle, you'll know it's outputting an actual, at least Fusion's trying to output not a broken segment, but like one complete circle if it has a start point and an end point and no other points. And then yeah. if it's a true circle, smoothing won't do anything if you're outputting circles from... Yeah, from it shouldn't do anything at that point. point. Yeah, yeah, I, I always have my my points turned on and I check out point density and like and like point distribution really closely on all my finishing toolpaths now. Yeah. Um I yeah, I just fortunately I don't care about small programs because on my Fnook control nothing that I ever post will be small enough to fit on it anyway. Yeah. Uh DNC is just the life I live. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, at, I mean uh uh I'm looking at a thing now with a toolpath and it looks like it's making on this like short little bore round uh it looks like it's doing like four or five points uh per rotation bringing it up into arcs oh is it a board or is it a contour because that's that's a little different it's not a bore tool path i've never actually used the bore tool path or at least not really i use it all the time because i don't drill anything yeah i i I, I don't really drill anything either but i always just use 2d contour because i forgot bore even exists do you use 2D contour and then do you go into linking and enable ramp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this embarrassing? <laughs> no, it's it's just really um I I think it achieves essentially the same thing. It's just a, a different way of doing it. It's just kind of funny to me. It's not yeah, embarrassing. I, that's uh no, I yeah, I just I use ramp and I'll use ramp on lots of stuff because I'll use it on oh, yeah. uh, like weird shaped pockets and uh Yes, I use ramping on 2D contours for for all all of my pockets usually unless yeah. I can't adapt of it, but, oh, um, but maybe I should try bore. If it's round, I, wonder, I use bore. I wonder if it, 
outputs less arcs or something or less yeah, points. I, I will try my hardest not to ramp an end mill unless it's really? a board. Because I hear I've heard that ramping is one of the hardest things on end mill tips. Like it, square it is. It is, but the alternative is usually using a smaller end mill. I which just try is, to go you know, often I just slower and like, crappier. Yeah, well, I mean, like if it's a if it's something you can't you can't kind of normally helix into, and then mm-hmm. like it's nice to have an actual helix taper angle if you can fit it. But what I'll do is like you can either pre-drill or pre-bore like an actual bore and then mm-hmm. step the end mill into the bore and just take depth of cut cuts with no yeah. ramp. So, so yeah, I've, I, I used to do that. I, I, uh, I said on an earlier episode, I like cut in half the amount of tools cause I wanted less tool changes. So I got rid of like all drills on, on my handles yep. on, uh, on lots of stuff. I like on some of the blades for a while. I, I think I, can't remember if i got rid of this drill or not um i i think i was there's like an oblong like bean shaped pocket and i was putting two drill holes in it but i was still ramping and i did the two drill holes because i was using the drill somewhere else anyway and i was like well i might as well rough out most of it so that the ramping maybe wears the end mill slightly less um but i was still i was still doing the ramping even with it kind of mostly drilled out because the alternative is I'd have to use, uh, you know, a eighth inch end mill instead of a three sixteenths inch end mill, and yep. uh, it just be slower and probably less good to finish. Because hmm. yeah, I do everything in my power to avoid slotting. I'll I'll ramp it instead, which I know is still slotting. Yeah, see, that's not how I look at it. How I look at it is like I make a, a pocket. Let's say that's uh, you know, an oblong. Uh, a shape for a, a mighty bite, like in a mm-hmm. palette, uh, for the uh, pit bulls. I could like pre-drill that and then like put in an eighth inch end mill. It's like a half inch slot. You know, I could do something, but instead I just take a quarter inch end mill and just you know ramp down it, and uh, you know it's taking out half the material, then it's taking out the other half, and just yep. going around. And I'd rather just be able to use a quarter inch end mill for that and for everything than have to mess with smaller end mills. Yeah. I mean, for aluminum, I just use 2D pockets a lot of the time and I just let, I just send it because it's aluminum. But, and like I could, uh, I could plunge with an end mill and then rough it out. But I don't know. Some of those tool paths and tight stuff like that, just fusion will just not cooperate either. Um, I am for, some of the holes in my handles now plunging a 332nd end mill and then just doing a single finishing pass. Okay. So it's like so it's like a a point one oh five hole and I just plunge the end mill. It's aluminum. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh then I uh just take off the last like uh five thou per side or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a spring pass. Hmm. Yeah, I've had a lot better tool life, I guess, with a with ramping versus slotting with like the same piece of speeds. Gotcha. Yeah, for titanium, uh, I think I have videos where I I shifted to doing a lot more pre-drilling on slots. Okay. Uh, maybe I've learned stuff from them, but when I was making handles that had slots in them, mm-hmm. just like regular stuff like your 
like your butterfly knives have yep. or your newest one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, got, I like loaded up three drills to like drill out as much material as I can. Cause I was having problems and it was just really slow trying to figure out how to do it with a 16th of an inch end mill and titanium. And and I still I I think maybe I've learned stuff and maybe I could find a better way, but I still think there is a time when, you know, drilling is the fastest way to remove material. It is. So, it does definitely make sense to clear out as much as you can a lot of the time. Yep. I mean, if I had more tool pockets, I would potentially maybe be more open to drilling. Yeah, that's a lie. I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, and there's people. There's there's like. A lot more stuff, not in fusion, but there's uh, more stuff being developed with like plunge milling. I love I love plunge roughing, and uh, I've been sort of tempted to try that, but I I don't really have a place I need to right now. Now our parts, we wouldn't benefit from it. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't think in the the slots you're making in your opus, you could do something like that? No, because you don't want to plunge full diameter. Well, like you, you like drill out an initial hole and then you just step it over like a quarter of the end mill at a time or whatever. Mm. Plunge roughing on an end mill, I personally have mixed feelings on, but plunge plunge milling with uh, like like face mills on big parts is so nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I thought the principle, uh, you know, should be pretty much. It should be the same. Um, I don't know. End mills like to lose their corners. <laughs> I, for me, that is, that's true. I've switched to all bull nose, even if it's only like five thou on a lot of them. Yep. Um, but that's true. But uh, I don't know. I thought I thought in theory plunging with the end mill is better for it than slotting. So, I mean, yeah, probably it should be better than slotting. Because uh, the forces are going to be in a better direction. I don't. I mean, know. it'll be in the strongest direction of the uh, of yeah. the tool, I suppose. It'll be axially. Yeah, but it's going to wear out the bottom. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a like a plunge roughing strategy infusion, so I could try it. Anything else we should talk about? When's your next finished knife, John? Never. <laughs> Maybe I thought it was supposed to be middle this week, but my time scale doesn't work very good. So maybe middle of next week. Okay, and then from there it's just rinse and repeat, and you have you have good production, right? I I think so. Actually, I'm pretty happy with the Whoa. way it's off. Yes, so, that's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. I'm very excited too because I don't have much money left. Yep. <laughs> time to make some more. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, alrighty. Is this where we should call it? I guess so. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time. Yes, until next time. Bye. Well, bye now.